Are you still suffering from supply chain issues? Are they disrupting your operations? Well, have no fear because Graybar has you covered and you can rely on their nationwide logistics network to get what you need, where they need, when they need to get there and all within budget. Graybar is a trusted and leading North American distributor of electrical communications, data networking, industrial products, literally supporting products of any industry, construction, hospitals, industrial plants, schooling, it doesn't matter. Just one clear mission to serve as that vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. So here's what you need to do. Visit graybar.com to start an order today. Visit graybar.com to start an order today and fix those supply chain issues with Graybar. First cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Open Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, rank these names. The Open, the Open Championship, the British Open. Go. It's funny because I was just going to say that I thought you were about to slip and say the British Open, but my favorite is the British Open. That's number one, and then I'll take the Open number two. Shocked that you went with the two extremes as one and two, and the middle ground one, number three. I would never say British Open seriously, but that is how I would uh, create content because that's what people type into Google. So it's good for SEO. Greg, Hmm. wait. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what do you think? Um, so I got a couple thoughts. One, I, I will call it the open championship or the open, um, simply out of respect. I have far too much respect for the event to call it by the improper name. Although I do think the British open makes a a little bit more sense to me. Um, here in the United States, the open is our national championship here. So it, it's not, it, it can't be anymore, but, th- but that's what we throw. Oh yeah. He's playing in the open. Like he's playing in the amateur. Mm. It, it, it's very similar. So I don't think there's a problem with identifying where it is. Also the fact that it has been the British open before. Um, and, and it's the, uh, that one of the other ones at least was like last year, the senior British or the, the, um, women's, British Open, I believe one of those has that name in there. So I don't think there's anything wrong with having that that description because it's just somewhere in Great Britain, um, in the UK. So, but out of respect, the <laughs> Open Championship. There you Have go. we gone off the rails already? No, did that, we're, this did is that just perfectly happen? perfectly on the rails. This is all right. Uh, yeah, exactly according to plan. What else would be going according to plan would be uh, someone winning fifty thousand dollars this week, and you don't even have to do it via DFS. You can do it with the golf props. I went into the lair. I came up with the props. They're now available, and you can win fifty thousand dollars on this week's major thanks to golf props from CBS Sports. Get in the action today and compete for $50,000 worth of a jackpot plus a guaranteed cash prize going to the winner. And best of all, Golf Props is 100% free to play. Just download the CBS Sports app or go to cbssports.com slash props to play now. Pretty cool. 50K if you get them all I'd right. Say. Yeah, I'd say. Slight. And you wrote, you wrote the props? Oh, yeah. I always write the props. That Ten. means they're good. That means they're good. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple of nods in there. Listen, it's not by accident that uh, one of the props includes both Bryson and Brooks against one another. That's Ooh. not an accident. There's not an accident that one of them is regarding uh, uh, past champions. Come on, a nod to the history. I don't, I don't mess around. These are these are legit. You know what you're doing, Rick. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing them. Let's see if we know what we're doing for DFS this week, because with a major championship, Sia comes major championship pricing, which usually means soft pricing. It usually means that the favorites are not as expensive as they usually are. And there is a plethora of names throughout that kind of provide value and salary cap relief. And you can really kind of make any, any lineup that you want. It's available to you. Yeah. And it's not just the softer pricing up top. I mean, when we go through these lists, 
it's that 7K range and 6K range where there's like a lot of eye-popping guys, whether they're on the Euro Tour or the PGA Tour. And it's like, wow, I could fit like three of these guys in my lineup that I would play in any you know tournament. And now I can really stack the guys up top. So it's funny because every time a major comes around, I always tell you guys, oh, I have the winner. Because everybody who makes a lineup during a major thinks they have the winner because the lineups are so good. So now it's just a matter of having your lineup be better than all the other good ones. Yeah, everything on Wednesday night, which I guess – this this week, I think a lineup lock is 1.30 a.m. Thursday morning, I believe is the lock. But everything on Wednesday feels really, really good. But let's talk about the course here, Greg. And I'm going to pull up uh, my site. It's rickrungood.com. I've got the course key stats model up and we'll flip through all the pages throughout the rest of the show. But Royal St. George's, um, I've been trying to do as much homework as possible, Greg. And I know as with many open championships, we are a hair at the mercy of the weather depending on how this is going to play and by weather i specifically mean wind <laughs> yes uh, and that's what it looks like now in, now in the practice rounds there'll be some rain uh, there's rain in the forecast we'll see what happens with that but it looks like the the four tournament days you're going to have some pretty nice weather um, wind looks to be pretty steady throughout the week uh, um, looks to be in the 17 to 20 mile an hour range out of the some variation of the north. So we'll see how that plays out. Now, um, being close to the water, being in that part of the world, that can change very quickly. Um, and and a 20-mile-an-hour wind can play a lot firmer, and it can start to gust a little bit more, um, and that can, again, happen pretty quickly. Um, but weather-wise, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a cooler Kiowa, where you kind of have a steady... All four days, I know it changed on Sunday at Kiowa, but you have, um, it, it looks like for, for four days, you're going to have a very similar variation of the wind. So uh, a unique open in that sense where you don't have that one day where all of a sudden the wind is is projected to be 30 miles an hour um, or you have a, a big rainstorm coming in. It doesn't appear to be that way right now. Um, but it is a little cooler. It's in the, it, it's not going to get to 70. Apparently it may get high sixties, but, um, but it, it should definitely be a factor. So I'm, I'm curious to see how fast the golf course gets. I think ultimately you expect a 20 mile an hour wind in the open, but what is, what's going to happen on the ground? Is it going to get really yeah. firm? Uh, is it going to get really bouncy? I would say it's not going to early. It may by the end of the week. With the big W word, Sia, wind, um, I want to know how much that will play into your lineup construction. And there might not be a right answer to this, but I think there is a wrong answer to this. So let's see if you can find it. <laughs> well, the wrong answer is I'm going to completely ignore it, in my opinion. Okay. I mean, I, 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 I that's just me. I, I know, Rick, I know your stance on wind and, and, and wind players when you get that question sometimes in your live chat. Yeah. But I, I got to be honest, if we if we find out that there's a certain part of the draw that has, you know, 15 mile per hour winds and then there's another part of the draw that has 25 with 30 mile per hour gusts like that's a difference. OK, it's it, it just it just is. So, of course, I might pivot off certain guys in that circumstance. And that is certainly different than my take of who plays well in the wind and who doesn't that, that to me is, I don't, we don't have the time, nor do I have the energy uh, to argue that, but the idea, yeah, this, so, so a weather can change quickly, but you could get the wrong side or the right side of the draw. And I think that is certainly worth considering just as it is every single week on the PGA tour. So I, I, I don't, I don't think anything like that. Um, Greg, you know, when we start to look at winning score, which I know is, I feel like for this event, it's almost impossible to try to pin down six days in advance. Uh, but with that caveat, how do how does the RNA want this to play? Do they want this to be 20 under? Do they want it to be even par? Do they want it to be somewhere in the middle and just hope that the wind kind of does their bidding for them? Well, this is the beauty of um, of the RNA. And it's something that they have built in. So, I mean, this I'm sure comes from way back when they, when the game first started, but they've really stuck to it and they don't care. They wanted to play uh, natural, which I think is there. There's a real beauty to that. So um, the same golf course one day may be the easiest course you've ever played and they shred it and it's easier that, you know, makes TPC deer run look like <laughs> a major championship venue. And then the very next day, it could be 
um, it, it could be a U.S. Open kind of scoring where it's the toughest test in all of golf. And the difference is simply the weather. And they don't mess with it. They're not going to get it close to the edge. They're not going to run the risk of losing a golf course. It's always going to be fair. It's always going to hold up in the wind. Um, I mean, I suppose there's an instance where it could get a little out of control, but um, they don't let the greens get so fast to where the wind blows it off the green. They're prepared for this. So they um, they do it right for sure, um, and they don't care what the winning score is. So uh, with the winds that are projected right now and the rain early in the week, I'm expecting a little better scoring than it was in 2011. I think five under one back then. We had a lot of rain. Um, it was definitely a, a rain suit kind of a year back back then. Um, and without rain in the forecast, I think it'll play a little bit easier. So I would say somewhere around 10 under seems to be the, it seems to be the right number. Um, unless there's a, a crazy, a morning, a couple of mornings where it's really light, or if it really lays down in the afternoons, late afternoons. Um, and for the, the leaders coming in, it gets a little bit easier if there's cloud cover and it doesn't really get burnt and fast. Typically if there's no rain and there's just wind, it's really fast. And that's the challenge. Um, but I don't know if we're going to get quite that Brown kind of open championship. So I, I would say somewhere between 10 and 15 would be my lean. I'll say to put one number on it, my guess 12 under par. Greg Ducharme has guaranteed the winning score will be 12 under par, <laughs> so you can act accordingly. Uh, here is the cheat sheet. Here is uh, the board we're going to start where we normally do at the top. But Sia, before before we do, uh, as of this moment, which is Monday afternoon, here's mainly the list of, of WDs that we have had. Hideki Matsuyama, Sung J.M., Kevin Na, Matt Wolf, Siwoo Kim, Bubba Watson, K.H. Lee, Zach Johnson, Ryan Moore, Danny Lee, Louis DeJager, I believe is how he pronounces that, and David Duvall uh, are all out. So if you were planning on playing any of those guys, do not. Let's focus on guys that are in the field with the five at the top over $10,000. John Rahm, 11300 Rory McIlroy, 10-9. Brooks Kepka, 10-7. DJ Dustin Johnson, 10400 And the X-Man Xander Shoffley at an even 10000 Sia, I'm just going to let you go in any direction you would like to go here. Pick some golfers and let's start talking about them. Well, listen, it's only fair that if Greg's going to pick the correct score, <laughs> that I get to pick who's going to win the tournament. And I'm staring right at him. He's in this first range. And his name, of course, is Brooks Kepka. So I like, I got to be honest, I like him the most. I like that he has a ton of link style experience. I like the fact that he's been good in British Opens before. Yes, on different venues, but good nonetheless. I love the fact that he really gears up in majors. And I am one that always kind of threw that narrative to the side, but it sort of bears out. And for the record, I, I throw it to the side when I'm talking about non-majors. In other words, I still think he wants to contend in those in those golf tournaments as well. But I just think Brooks is in really good form. The knee doesn't seem to be an issue. So it's Brooks and it's John Rahm for me. So it's it's um, it's really interesting. I'm very partial to to Brooks Kepka here in this situation. He's not as expensive as John Rahm. Uh, he will probably not be as popular as Xander Shoffley. And I think if you asked uh, if you asked the average golf fan, the casual viewer, Greg, how Brooks Kepka has been playing, I don't think you'd be like, oh man, he's playing great. Like, but but he is right. I mean, three of his last four, he has top five finishes. Two of them are, are major championships. He's ball striking the heck out of it. Uh, now we know he gets geared up. It's just, it's a weird situation. I think there's a hair of a disconnect between the perception of what Brooks Kepka has been up to and the reality of what Brooks Kepka has been up to. Yeah. I mean, it's really since his win, he's had two or three week events and everything else has been contention. So most of the golf that Brooks Kepka has played um, this year, this calendar year has been in contention. Um, and there's nothing to say that that will change this week. Uh, we know what, what's the area of weakness in Brooks's game. I guess you would say, um, maybe his bunker play, um, or, or his short game around the greens short game is so different here and you have to manufacture shots in a completely different way. And I think it, it allows a player to really will the ball. It, it's a different skill set in that um, you can be creative. You can find a way that you're comfortable with um, and execute. It's not always easy, but you can do that. And and I believe that Brooks is among the um, the elite in that regard. So yeah, I have a hard time going away from Brooks here. 
Um, but at the same time, I have a really hard time staying away from John Rahm. It just feels like it felt going into the U.S. Open. Um, it feels like he is the best player in the world. I know he's number two in the world now. That's a different conversation, but he's <laughs> the best player in the world. And I think Dustin Johnson would say the same thing. So mm-hmm. um, there's there's it's it's hard for me to stay away from Rom because he's not a moment. He's not a momentum player. He's just always really good. And when he has a putter that he's confident with, look out. And that's where we are right now with John Rom. So um, I, I feel like Rom is about to get another win, and I have a really hard time staying away from him. Um, I know Sia and I disagree. I think I think Brooks Kepka may shoot eleven under, uh, and John Rom <laughs> gets to twelve. Um, so I, I could go either way there, and there will be a, a portion of my lineups that start with Kepka, but um, I, I think I'm going to lean a little farther towards John Rom. In John Rahm's last three starts, he has been beaten by a total of six golfers. He was six shots clear of everybody at the Memorial on Saturday night, withdrew after the positive test. He won the U.S. Open, and he finished, uh, what's my math, T7 last week at the Scottish Open. Those are the only six guys that have beaten him in his last three starts. You want to go back further than that, he finished eighth at the PGA Championship. I mean, he's absolutely... yeah. Locked in. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you go back a little bit earlier. He had a couple of strange events, but it, it seemed like everything was T5. He's got like four T5s on the year. Literally T5s, not yeah. not top fives. No. Tied literally. for fifth place finishes. Yeah. Uh, the Masters being one of them. So, And the match play being another one. So, yeah, big events. He's not afraid of them. Um, and and I feel like this is the uh, the like the floodgates are open. I don't I don't feel like they're opening. I feel like they're already open and he's just gonna roll with the tide and um end up with a cleric jug. Ooh, there's two that would be nice. When y- yeah. your twentieth major, you win uh you win your first major for the first time, and then you win your twenty-first major appearance as well, and you get two back to back. That'd be special. Yeah. And we'd have like a we'd have a ROM slam watch going Ooh. into the next masters. It'd be I don't know what we'd have to come up with a name for that, but you'd have something there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be like a rombo slam. I don't know. We'd figure it out. Uh, see, ya, that leaves us with two. So it doesn't. There, there are two big question marks here. One is Rory McIlroy, who I'm, I am, I think as the week goes on, I'm going to convince myself that he's not that big of a question mark. And the other one is Dustin Johnson, who uh, could I be any more neutral on? I think he's been fine. I don't know if ten thousand four hundred dollars is a price I want to pay for for fine. Any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, if he's going to be super low owned and you're playing a big GPP, go ahead and play Dustin Johnson. But outside of that, in my single entries and my cash games, I just don't see myself getting to Dustin Johnson. He's been, and I'm stating something that everybody knows that's watching this show, but he's been so underwhelming lately. And that's normally fine because you could say to yourself, well, okay, but he's a he's an elite golfer and he can bounce back at any time. The only problem with that is the other four golfers in this range are, are sort of already in that bounce back mode or have sort of proven over the last three, four, five, ten 10 tournaments that they're really gearing up or they're in perfect form. So it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't make sense to lean on, oh, well, maybe he can pop now versus guys where I know that are already popping. So it's an ownership thing only for me if he's super low owned. Ben Grass is his worst putting surface. It's the only one that he that he doesn't uh, he doesn't gain strokes on. Greg, that that leaves us with Rory, who I I look at the Open Championship history. So here are his last four years. We know he missed the cut at Port Rush. He took, I believe, an eight on the opening hole after he popped one OB. Right? Is I'm remembering yeah. that accurately? Yeah, that's right. And the three before that were a runner-up finish, a fourth, and a fifth. He just won a couple of starts ago at the Wells Fargo Championship. What in the world do we do with Roars? I uh, don't play him. Really? You go with Rom. I think you play Rom, or I think you play uh, Brooks Kepka. I mean, these guys are proven commodities <laughs> that every single time in major championships they show up. And to me, Rory McIlroy is just too big of a miscut risk. Um, I don't think he has control over the driver. I don't think he knows where the ball is going. Um, and I don't think he is the rough player that, say, a Bryson DeChambeau is. So um, and Bryson, we can get to a little bit later. I'm not saying I'm high on him either. But um, but I, I don't love Rory. I don't see really any positives other than his recent form. Um, he missed every single fairway in the last round of the Irish Open. He missed the cut at the Scottish Open. I, I, I don't see a confident Rory McIlroy. 
Um, it's risky to say this. He could prove me wrong. That's why he's the second highest priced player in the field. But when you have the guys that are surrounding Rory McIlroy right now, um, I I stay away. And there's I, I see very little benefit in playing Rory. I do believe he'll be more popular than he should be. People are going to play Rory because he's Rory. Um, and he's very good. And there's win equity there, of course. But I, I don't like what I'm seeing with him. I don't think... He's as confident in his swing as he may be leading on. Um, mm. So I, I don't see a lot of a lot of good for Rory personally. You know, the uh, we're not going to talk about every single player in the field, but there's one guy in the 10K range we haven't talked about. See, I imagine he's going to be incredibly popular. His name, name is Xander Shoffley. He has been tinkering with the um, with that arm lock putting putting style. Now it seems as if he's going away from that early on Monday. You know, he's in his practice rounds. He was not using it, which he actually putted better before without, you know, without doing it, maybe it took him a little bit to, uh, to really gear up, but I, I think Xander's going to be maybe the most popular golfer on the slate. Yeah. He's going to be really popular, especially in this range being the the lowest guy. And he's going to grade out really well in everybody's models too. Obviously the, the ball striking is really great. I, honestly, I, I don't think I'm going to play Xander, especially when he's popular. I like to lay off Xander because he, he tends to not close. But the putter thing is interesting to me because now it gives me some question. You know, the putter hasn't been that bad for him, but we know, you know, prior to the arm lock, he he could really pop with the putter. That gives me a little bit more confidence in him in terms just from a putting volatility standpoint. I think maybe if he thinks he found something and that's why he's switching, this could be kind of maybe finally his moment where he actually closes the tournament. But I got to be honest, he's going to be really popular. Probably not for me. I will defer to the two guys I mentioned before. I'm thrilled, by the way, that he switched back um, because I think it was I, I don't I do not like that he switched and I don't like what he said about it and I don't like anything about it. I think it was a terrible decision. If I were um, close to if I spoke to Xander, I would tell him not to do it. If I was his coach, I wouldn't let him do it. Um, he was a great he's a great putter and I'm all for trying to get better. But you got to understand you got to have your roadmap here. And, and I, part of me feels like he was trying to prove something to not himself. And he's not at a point where if Phil Mickelson wants to prove a point and try arm lock, because he's trying to say that it shouldn't be allowed. I'm okay with that. And I just got that feeling from Xander. Maybe it's unfair to say, but, um, but for him to switch because it's a quote unquote advantage. Um, I, well, I think it proved an even bigger point in the other direction. So I love that he's back because it was one of the best putting strokes on tour. Um, and he was one of the best putters on tour. And so I, I think I expect that to kind of come back to form. I expect a good week out of him. Popularity may stray away, but I um, I think he will be the most popular for good reason. I think we, I think he was trying to, I think it was a get rich quick scheme. He was like, well, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm already pretty good at golf. I'm already a pretty good putter. What if this thing is just like a magic and I start to roll everything in? Let me try it. And then he's like, ah, maybe not. Let's maybe not. <laughs> it, it's an advantage, but not for everybody. $9,000 range. This is really interesting. Not, uh, Bryson DeChambeau is 9,900. Jordan Spieth, 97. Justin Thomas is 96. And then you get Louis Eustace, who's been on an absolute roll. A couple of guys with no open championship experience in Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland, and then Terrell Hatton rounding out this group. Sia, what do you see? Uh, does Bryson get Aaron Rodgers to help him this week, or is that not might, a thing? Might need it, man. Aaron, how good was Aaron Rodgers? Thank you, by the way. So, Oh, yes, I'm, congratulations. I'm, you got that right. I'm sorry we didn't bet. Um, okay, uh, so that was, yeah, first of all, Aaron Rodgers was unbelievable. <laughs> he, he carried Bryson through that thing. Yes. I, I and Brady believe. wasn't. Brady was not. Yeah, yes, Brady was just indeed. as bad as he was the last time. I didn't think that was possible. Yeah. It was yeah. definitely possible. I, I took a victory lap on Twitter, guys. I don't know if you saw it. But the point yeah. is, I'm going to pass right over Bryson DeChambeau. I, I, I kind of like Jordan Spieth. I kind of want one of you two, or if not both of you, to convince me one way or the other because I haven't really decided on him. Guys, I have decided on Louis Oosthuizen. I, I just The track record, I, there's just really no disputing it. I mean, he's been so good. The recent form has been so good. The major form has been so good. The open championship form has been – 
pretty good. So I just, I think he's, I don't want to call him safe necessarily because that's just one of those jinx words that I'll want to take back in a few days. But I think he's priced fairly. And, and I think in this crowd, he's going to find more fairways. He's going to find more greens in regulation and and he can get hot with the putter. So that, that's a guy I probably like the most. I may take a chance on Colin Morikawa and Jordan Spieth, but right now those are the only three I'm focused on. The number one putter on tour this season is Louis Oosthuizen. Let me take a crack at the Jordan Spieth, conv- uh, you know, convincing you on on Spieth since the start of 2021. It is Jordan Spieth, not John Rahm, who has been the best player on the PGA Tour. Spieth has gained 1.98 strokes per round. John Rahm 1.96, obviously very very close. But Spieth has been phenomenal. I think he possesses the creativity uh, that is required to hoist a claret jug. Uh, Greg. Would you like to weigh in on the $9,000 range? I, I mean, I, I think uh, I think Jordan Spieth is the play here. Uh, oh. For the reasons you just mentioned, um, he, he is a confident player right now. The style of golf fits him very well. Again, you have a golf course where there's you'll see pictures on the internet of the golf course kind of at high contrast, so you can really see the undulation yeah. in the fairway and on the greens and how much – the property kind of ripples and those, those um, that makes it very difficult to hit fairways. So in a way, an accurate player gets uh, the bad break a little bit more. You hit a bad shot. It goes into the rough. You hit it into the rough, right? But you hit a shot down the middle of the fairway that bounces into the rough. It can get very frustrating. Um, and and so, (laughs) yeah, right. And I think everybody's going to have to deal with that to some extent. We'll see how firm it gets. The bouncier it gets, the more, then the the more into play that comes but at the same time when it's a little more green that rough gets a little bit thicker we've all seen videos of that so far so um jordan to me has that kind of uh, the magic and the creativity that is perfect for an open championship um and i love what he's done with the putter this year i love what he's done around the greens i love the iron play uh, and and the other thing i really like is it doesn't ask for distance off the tee the way an Augusta national does, right? You can kind of plot your, you can plot your way around and not feel like you're losing anything. It's okay to be sneaky long. One reason why I like Colin Morikawa uh, um, and Victor Hovland as well, but, but those are kind of the guys in in that range that I like. I I don't know how to, so I think Jordan Spieth has a real chance of winning this week. So um, I'm going to be pretty heavy Spieth. Okay. Um, So, so there is not a flat lie in the fairway at, at Royal St. George's, you know, you know, where else, you know, somewhere else that, that doesn't really give you a flat lie. Anybody? Uh, Augusta national. Oh, Jordan Spieth's been pretty good there. I mean like this, I just, I just love this. I How just about Kapalua? Jordan Spieth's been pretty good there. Yeah. I'm convinced uh, by the way. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. We went, that was a big, <laughs> yeah. a big, okay. So, so let's go into, so Greg mentioned Victor Hovland to me, uh, I love this. So, so let me let me present this case to to you, Sia, because Greg has already kind of mentioned that he at least likes him a little bit. We have here a golfer who is uh, widely considered a great ball striker, who has improved his short game, who has won in two windy scenarios, Puerto Rico, Mayakoba, who just added a European Tour victory two weeks ago. Um, and he's 90, is he 9,100 or 9,000? 9,100. I think Victor Hovland could win this. Yeah. I, I, you know, part of the reason I mentioned Colin Morikawa over Victor Hovland just, and I should have clarified is because I don't think anybody's going to be really on Colin Morikawa. I do think people will be on Victor Hovland. So I I just kind of thought in this tournament, it would be a nice contrarian play, but you're right about Victor Hovland. I mean, I, I totally get it. The lack of British Open experience, or excuse me, Open Championship <laughs> experience, <laughs> I've done it again, it. Uh, is is a little concerning, like it would be with Colin, for example. But I, I don't know why, you know, I think with Hovland, I have a little bit of a blind spot because I know he can have that blow-up hole. Now, you know I'm a big fan of Hovland, but it, it him being young and not having the Open Championship experience gets me sort of nervous about him having that that one or two terrible holes and just, you know, all it, it could all fall apart. So I, I agree with you. I think he's a great play. I do think he could contend here uh, for whatever reason right now. I'm not on him. See, I think the blow up hole that Victor Hovland is kind of known for is why he can win this tournament, why the experience doesn't matter. And the same is true for Morikawa. 
but not the blow up hole aspect, but the attitude aspect. These two guys are not inexperienced. They are, even though they haven't played in an open championship before, it almost feels like they've, like they have in a strain, in a very strange way. And they're, they, and the only reason I say that is they're prepared for this. They're prepared for this mentally. Victor Hovland gets a bad break into the rough. And I don't know if there's any player in the field who's more equipped to handle it, um, which is so bizarre because he's so young. Um, Morikawa would be a rival. Spieth would be a rival in that. These guys understand how to handle those situations. Um, and it's a thing of beauty to watch. And I really, I give them a real chance. Where they're weak, I think those areas are mitigated to a degree in the open. Their chances of putting well increases in an open championship for Victor Hovland, the short game concerns. Um, there's a little bit, there's some more workarounds in short game. It's still important. I'm not saying short game is not important, but where Victor Hovland is weak is more pitching. And, and so if he can utilize the putter a little bit more, utilize a five wood a little bit more in a way it can, um, allow him to tap into a creative side more so than worry about his technique and pitching. So, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of expect these guys to both have a really nice week. I lean a little more Hovland to Morikawa, but see, I, I understand where you're coming from. I could go, I could go either way. Can I ask just like the around the green game though? And I know Hovland's improved, but if you look like last 36 rounds, last 24 rounds, it's not great. I mean, does that concern you at this venue? No, because um, I, I, again, I think it's different. I just, I think it's a completely different style of short game. Statistics mm. for me this week mean less than they do any other week on tour. I, I almost, they're almost not even worth looking at unless you just want to try to gauge someone's confidence. Uh, you want to see if someone's really struggling in a certain area. You know, this guy's got the driver yips. Okay, that's not going to be good on any kind of golf course. But strokes gain off the tee isn't a metric where, you know, I'm I'm drooling about if somebody's really good. Distance is a non-factor, basically. Um, so I, I, I look at the short game as more long putting than anything else in a, in a way, because you always have that option unless you're in a bunker. Um, and even the bunker play is different than it is here in the States. Um, it, it's, it's a completely different style. So the weaknesses to me are not the same. They're, they're better. They're going to be better this week than normal. Uh, I want to move on to the AK range, but I, I can't let you guys off the hook by skipping Bryson DeChambeau at $9,900. So Sia, how are you going to approach Bryson this week? No Bryson for me. I am going to stand on what I said uh, this day, seven days ago, uh, when I said that uh, I thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be bailing uh, Bryson out. I just don't, I don't like the game. I, I don't know that he's a really good course fit. I hate the approach game right now. And uh, I have so many other guys. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of tired of the argument with Bryson where it's like, yeah, but his upside. I just disagree. <laughs> The, the yeah, but his upside, I, I just I disagree, especially when that upside hasn't really been achieved anytime in the recent future. So, I mean, give me the upside of, of the guys around him over him. Greg, Bryson, what are you doing? Uh, it's going to be a neg for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm out on Bryson. I think Bryson's assets in the United States are uh, are not assets. In fact, they may be detractors. In the U.S., you talk about spin rate, you talk about apex, you talk about um, distance. It's not that distance is a disadvantage, but Bryson hits it with extreme, an extremely high apex, which at a U.S. Open is a huge asset. When you're talking about carrying corners of dog legs, it's a huge asset. But at some point, you're forced to play a ground game here. Um, and I, I think there's a way where he could play well. He's a really good player, but... The way this range shapes up, I mean, you're talking, we never even talked about Justin Thomas, who's right there, who's a much better. So I, I just think the 9K range is full of better options than Bryson, and and, uh, and I'm staying away. Fair enough. Okay, we are going to go down to the 8K range. Lots of value in the 7 and the 6s, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage 
to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. And we're back. The $8,000 range starts with the two Patricks, Cantlay and Reed, goes down to Justin Rose, Tommy Fleetwood. See ya. It's a grab bag. What do you like out of this range? I love the top two there. I can't believe Patrick Cantlay is in the 8K range, to be honest yeah, with you. I think I he's agree. way better than that. I mean, we'll notice that there's just... Well, I guess I want to call it misprice. So far in this week, I've heard, you know, misprices with respect to guys that are lower in the field, and we'll we'll address that. But I think this is a misprice too. And I think Patrick Cantlay, I mean, he, he's been doing everything really well. He's been a little erratic off the tee. He hasn't been finding a ton of fairways lately, but that's okay. We just talked about how that, that might not be a huge issue relative to some of the other things we're looking at. Approach game has been there. Um, off the tee game overall has been there. I just I don't see an argument against him at this price. This is really good value. Since the start of 2021, only three golfers have gained more strokes per round than Patrick Cantlay. Their names are Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, and Colin Morikawa. And that includes the slump that Patrick Cantlay went through in which he missed four cuts in seven starts. I mean, it's 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 impressive that he is still even on that list. He's $8,900. Greg, I thought I heard an endorsement from Patrick Cantlay. You can hit on that. And is there other or are there others in this range uh, that you are certainly considering? Yeah, the range is full of them. I mean, yeah. I would say the top, um, the top three who are playing don't play, don't play Hideki. Yeah, um, no, he's, he's out. But um, yeah, Cantlay for all the reasons Sia mentioned. He's also a very creative player. He likes to move the. If you talk to his coach, he moves the ball. He shapes it on every shot. He visualizes in that manner. So I love Cantlay for that reason. Um, and Patrick Reed's very similar. These guys are not necessarily ball strikers they're shot makers which does it doesn't mean they hit the ball poorly it just means they they maneuver the ball around a golf course and uh, you picture uh, uh, the helicopter finish for Patrick Reed that won him um the the masters uh he he works the ball with draws he hold he's learned that hold off kind of fade as a creative a short game as anybody and maybe the best putter uh maybe the best putter in the world Statistics don't bear that out, but he can sit. Maybe if you extend it over to 2015, he may be the best putter um, for for that long of a stretch. Um, but then you get to the the one that really has my interest, and it's Paul Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, so why Paul Casey? Well, Paul Casey. Yes, I was hoping Jacob was like not asleep was at the it. wheel. Yeah, good job, Jacob. <laughs> he was on it. Yeah, good job. Um, give me Paul Casey. The reason being. 
he might be the guy this week. If you're if you're going down the Sienajad narrative street and you're expecting a big story, you're expecting a first time major winner. Everybody seems to be looking toward Lee Westwood. Yes. Um, and Rick, as you know, back in whenever that was January. Oh yeah. I made a little early call on Lee Westwood. This is coming due now. <laughs> it's coming due now. Um, and so when we get to seven K, you can mark me down for Lee Westwood. I'm I'm very pro Westwood this week, but it's played out almost too well, where everybody's looking at Lee Westwood as a great sleeper, and 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 he is. I'm not taking anything away from him, but Paul Casey may be the forgotten guy in a very similar category. So Paul Casey's coming off of it was 36 at the Travelers, which is just okay, right? Not great. Didn't really play any bad rounds, but never got hot. Um, then at the U.S. Open, he was seventh. At the Porsche European Open, he was sixth. At the PGA, he was fourth. We remember what he did at the PGA at Harding Park. His major championships have been phenomenal. They've been absolutely fantastic. Um, and I feel like he's really, really, really confident right now. And I could see a Darren Clark's kind of um, story come to life again with Paul Casey Lee Westwood, I think, is is in that category too, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Paul Casey. And Paul Casey is playing some really good golf right now. Um, and he's definitely got the game to win a major. Question is, what is he going to do when he really gets that chance? And I think he's shown steps forward where in recent majors, it hasn't been, um, he, he hasn't necessarily fallen off. He just hasn't quite done enough like he shot 70 in the final round of the u.s open pga championship he shot 71 that was he shot 371s that week it's not like he choked it away which means he's strong he's playing consistent golf he's ready to perform for four days in a tournament and uh, i wouldn't be surprised if this was a paul casey week at all and i'm definitely going to play a lot of paul casey so, uh, Greg, you said something that got me curious. You said, if you go back to the start of 2015, Patrick Reed's probably the best putter. And I was like, oh, well, let me, let me check this out. So I did. Um, he's very, very close. There are, I'm, I'm throwing out small sample sizes. There are one, two, three, four, five golfers, which with at least 2000 round, or excuse me, 200 rounds that are better than Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed's six. So you're absolutely on oh, the right yeah, track. Okay. Yeah. That's it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. He's good every year. Any of them name brand players. So, I, well, that's, that's the question. Do you, can you name any of them or would you like to take a crack at it? Um, well, well, I'm sorry. And they're, in, they're, they're in this field, if that helps. So I've narrowed it down to just guys in this field. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very interesting. So yeah, that narrows it down, man. I, I, I'm not really sure where to start. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would get these. I'll be real. I'll be real. Honest I, like with I, you. It makes me think Danny McCarthy is not a, he doesn't have enough rounds. Does, yeah. That would be my guess. So he's probably out. Spieth has had a couple of years that were really bad. So I'm guessing he's out. Yeah. He's like, um, 10th or 11th. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, Louis where does that where does that leave me? No, because Louis just kind of turned into a yeah. Too. He just kind of really turned into this really good putter. Uh, Louis is below Jordan Sweet. Louis is like twenty fifth. Man, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I don't even know where to. St- I don't right. even know where to. Number go. one is Brendan Todd. <laughs> okay. Number wow. two is Brant Snedeker. Okay. Number three is Harris English. Number four is a former number one player. You should get Jason Day. Jason Day. I should have gotten that one before you even mentioned it. I should have. Yeah. Jason Day, number four. And then number and, five. Sorry. These number weren't f- that hard. Number Go five um, is a guy that I that we're going to talk about in the next range that I think a lot of people like this week. He is a European. A Europe. Uh, no, it's not not Fitzpatrick. It's Fitzpatrick. Yeah. It is? Yeah. Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Okay. 223. Uh, I, so rounds. that one I, I would not have gotten that one. Well, I obviously can't say that what I didn't get I any will, of that. I, I should have gotten Day and I'll give you credit for this. Of anybody who has as many rounds as Patrick, Patrick Reed, he's number one. No, yeah. All these guys have less rounds. That's that's the the consistency of of, of how good right. he has been for a very, and, very and long no one's time. contended. No one's contended at the level that Patrick Reed has in that. These are guys no. that. No, right no. there, well, they sneak out a win here and there, shoot a 59 at, at, uh, at the Wyndham, something like that. Um, and they've, they've had their moments, but none of them have had the play, the performance uh, over a steady period of time as, 
Patrick Reed. So Jason um, Day might have an issue with that statement, but otherwise, you're absolutely right. Since 2015, yeah, I guess 15, 16 were pretty, pretty good for yeah. Jason his Day. his he reached yeah. number one in the world. Yeah, I digress. Um, see, for the very first time in a long time, Tony Finau is not a free space at a major championship. He's normally a free space, not only for the top 10 upside, but the ability to score a lot of fantasy points. He enters this week off two consecutive missed cuts, but his open championship history, uh, better, better than most, better than most guys in this field. Yeah, but it's history. That's the operative word in my oh, opinion. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm just I like not going to do it again. I I'm, I, I haven't been a Tony Finau guy, but I got to admit, there have been a few times that I've been on Tony Finau at reasonable prices with that upside that we talked about. I, like the, It's been a disaster every time I've, I've dove into those waters. So I'm really just not interested. I agree that he has upside, and I agree 8400 is a is a really good price to pay for somebody that has that type of potential. So if you want to do it, go for it. But for me, I'm just going to pivot way away from him. The only other name that I think I want to at least spend a hair of oxygen on is Scotty Scheffler played well in, in at the Scottish open last week. He doesn't have the, the open championship experience, but he's been playing really well. Seventh at the U S open third at the Memorial eighth at the PGA. This feels like a guy who's rocking and rolling in the right direction. Yeah. He's um Scotty Scheffler is an elite driver of the golf ball. Um, he's a really, really good driver. And although, um, his strokes gain approach numbers aren't great, they're not terrible. Um, he hits a lot of greens and regulation, which I think can be a good thing. He's also a good putter. He, he's got a really solid style of game and he does kind of strike me as a, as a creative type. I, I don't feel as strongly about him as a rookie as I do about Morikawa and, uh, and Hovland. I, Maybe I, I I don't know if I have a great reason why I just don't see him um, with the same kind of attitude and strength that they have. Maybe that's unfair, but um, he is a real he's he's not a bad play because he has a lot of upside too. He has win equity even though he hasn't won yet. Um, I, I really think he has the ability to win a major championship right now. I don't think he has to wait. Um, the only question is, does he believe that he can win now? Does he believe that his first major can be an open championship? And unfortunately, he hasn't really proved that to me. So I, that's where I wonder. Um, but, but he is definitely a, a, a solid play. The 7K range stacked starts with the aforementioned Matt Fitzpatrick and our technically defending champion, Shane Lowry, goes all the way down to, let's see, Victor Perez, Henrik Stenson, Matt Kuchar, Brant Snedeker, Billy Horschel at $7,000 flat. See ya. I have a feeling you like this range. I mean, what's not to like? There's so many guys you can make an argument for. It's going to be really tough to and, – and by the way, this is where kind of the, the wind issues come up. If you can't decide between a, a group of guys in the 7K range and it becomes Wednesday night and we know there's some sort of edge, you know, maybe that's where you – you end up, you know, taking a stand on, let's say, a Matt Fitzpatrick over a Jason Day, for example. I, I do like Matt Fitzpatrick. I, I do like the price, but I, I got to be honest. I will play him. There's so many other guys I like in this range, though, that that I think I, if he's going to be really popular, I think I can pivot. Some of the guys I like. We talked about Harris English a little bit on the first look show yesterday. I think Harris English is in such good form. Again, we talked about it over the last month or so, where he had that back injury, and then all of a sudden, like Greg anticipated. He just shot back to form, and he's striking the ball so well right now. I think he's really underpriced. Uh, a few other guys I like, listen, Daniel Berger. pretty uh, To me, even though he doesn't have the best open track record, the, it's, it's a misprice, in my opinion. I don't think he should be – is it 7,400? Yeah, he's 7,400. Uh, the recent form is is not great, but it's not really bad either. I think he has plenty of upside here. I'll mention just two other names that I think are going to be kind of lower-owned guys. Uh, I think. I don't know that. Cam Smith is one of them. I mean, the metrics don't jump off the page to me. They never do with Cam Smith. But this is the type of course, and we've already talked about it, where you're looking for like technicians, magicians, if you will. And, and I think he sort of fits that profile where like the Patrick Reeds of the world, where he can just kind of, you know, the shot shapes, be creative. He can just kind of make it happen in spite of the fact that, you know, let's say the approach numbers don't look very good. The last guy I'll mention, Sergio Garcia. A, a guy, by the way, Rick, who's pretty good in the wind, which I know you take exception to that comment, but Supposedly. I think 
I, you know, I, th- I wonder, and Greg, and Rick, I wanted your opinion here too. The, my understanding is the greens are going to be a little slower out here uh, versus some of the other, you know, events that we've had where sent meters, you know, been 10 plus. I wonder if that helps a guy like Sergio. I, I think it does, it, Greg, it but does. I do want your confirmation. There you go. So yeah. I, I think we got a good ball striker. We got a guy who has plenty of links experience. We got a, a savvy veteran, a guy that nobody's going to be paying attention to because he's such a disaster with the putter. I have a feeling about Sergio Garcia. Yeah, the greens, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong. They kind of have to be slower when you get an exposed course like this. You don't, you don't, you can't have run the stimp to 13 and have the wind blow these balls all over the place. Right. And um, so they don't do that. They don't allow for that. There's also some dramatic, in a way, there's some dramatic undulation and parts. So if you have long putts, you may have some really, really big ridges to navigate. Um, but they, it, they're not necessarily like um, like Augusta National undulating, where there's a severe amount of tilt, where the, you're going to have a 20-foot putt that breaks 20 feet because it just continues to break and break and break. Um, you're you're going to have breaks on, on ridges and on edges. And see it to your question, when greens get slower, um, breaks are less. So even if you had a, a four-degree tilt that was exactly the same tilt as it was at Augusta National, it would break significantly less. And so when putts get straighter, which they do because they get slower, putts get straighter, speed becomes less important. Um, It's still important and putting is still important, but uh, line becomes a lot more important and you have a greater, a guy who's not a great, a skilled Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed type putter can putt really well. Um, Again, putting is still crucial. It, it's a, a very important thing, but you're more likely to get a Henrik Stenson fill it up on the greens than you are at Augusta National. He's mm-hmm. much less likely to do it there than he is at an Open Championship. So um, I, I like a, a Sergio Garcia is an interesting pick. He has some really his last two starts have been really good. He has 10 top 10s in Open Championships, although none in the last three starts. Um, but his his record is. um is stout. And if you're following along with the narratives, this is another possible narrative um, because he's had many, many close calls here at the open championship. Um, and back in 2011, cause I know everybody was wondering, he came in tied ninth. So I, I think Sergio is a, a really, really solid play. Um, I kind of like Alex Noren. He's 7,200. I don't mind the miscut last week. He's been piling up top 25 finishes, just missed out on a cut, uh, a playoff, excuse me, at the rocket mortgage classic two weeks ago, his three open championship starts since 2017, sixth, 17th, 11th. That is pretty good golf. Uh, Greg, we kind of teed you up on Sergio Garcia. Were there others or someone else in the seven K range that you wanted to make sure we talk about before we head out to the six Ks? Uh, Yeah. Lee Westwood, right? Yeah. Last, oh, yeah, last time, right. right? Um, 2014. So again, he's played 25 open championships. It's a it's quite a few. He has a second, he has a third, he's got six top tens, he's made 19 cuts, which is a lot. So it, it is um it, it's not the record that Sergio has, where there's contention after contention after contention, year after year after year, but it's really quite good. And the other thing about Lee Westwood is the form has been good. Um, not great, which maybe, maybe that's a good thing, but for the year, it's been a really, really strong year. So, um, I love what I've seen out of Lee Westwood and I got to stick to my guns from way back when. Yeah. This was like, nobody would remember. (laughs) Yeah. You should have just waited till he won it and then like brought it up. Or if he do- doesn't, just never bring it up again. But well, to yeah. your credit, to your credit, so I believe this was, if I remember correctly, we did like a way too early major preview before the year started. Yes. And we all picked winners, I think, for each major. You picked Lee Westwood. And at the time, we laughed and laughed and laughed. And he was 150 to 1 or 200 to 1 or something yeah. crazy. Um, then he started winning and he started contending. We were like, oh boy. And now our, our friends over at William Hill have him at 40 to 1. So, Greg, I will give you a tip of the cap because you uh, certainly got the better number on it by a significant margin. Right. And um, 
yeah, I had a couple. He wasn't my only guy, so it wasn't like he was my my whore. I, I thought Dustin Johnson was, but that was back when he was the best player in the world. So how times have changed. But the Lee Westwood thing has really come into fruition. It's been a great year form wise for him, and he's somebody that I am very interested in. Another guy who has my interest. Uh, another one you may laugh and laugh and laugh at um, Ricky Fowler. <laughs> Ricky yeah. Fowler. Yes. See, I, this is, I, I form my picks based on sound bites that we have smart. Um, actually, unfortunately I can't go with the Bubba Watson. I thought off the top, we were going to say Bubba Watson has, uh, has unfortunately had to withdraw so we could get that sound bite too. You know what you, know what you can't also go with. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Na. <laughs> Kevin Na Fowler. We have a mud ball one. We have the give me Paul Casey. I hope I actually we have a, we have the Siwoo. We have the mud ball. We might actually be fully out except for Paul Casey. Yeah, we're close. Um, maybe you could play the mud ball one at some point randomly. But um, the thing I like about Ricky Fowler is uh, every time I say it, I want to hear that sound. But the thing I really like is tied sixth last year. Uh, he was tied second in 2014. He was tied fifth here at Royal St. George's back in 2011. Um, he's only missed one cut in his um, in his career here. He's made nine of them. So I, I think Ricky has put together a really solid open championship resume and he likes to play a um a creative style of game he likes to work the ball i remember being down at medalist and watching all the guys and ricky was there all the time and he moved the ball um a lot more than most players most players very straight it's impressive but very straight ricky moved it significantly um and they worked on that so that kind of creativity, I think, is an advantage. His short game has been great all year, um, and I think it will continue. The putting has really come around for him. Um, and the Travelers was a weak event, but I think that was kind of a one-off. He started to get a little bit better with his uh, – he, he's had three of his last four starts have been top 30 strokes gain approach finishes. And for a guy that's 146 for the year – um, that's pretty good. It's a marketable change. And, and looking at his swing, he's really made some some nice changes with John Tillery. And I think it's starting to come into form. And, and he's at a point where he can play golf now. So um, I like the direction Ricky's going in. And I think an open championship could be the perfect landing spot for him to really make some noise. We got to get down to the $6,000 range. And Sia, do you just want to do the Sam Burns stuff now or later? Uh, let's get it over with now. All right. Sam Burns is $6,300. It is, uh, to me, a very obvious misprice for a guy who is a PGA Tour winner this year. He's 80 to 1. You start to look at some of the names around him. They're like 300 or 400 to 1. I, I it's, a, it's, it's a mistake. It's a mistake price, right, Sia? Yeah, I think it is. I, I wonder, though, Rick, where do you think the price should be? Um, if you told me he was 73000 I wouldn't be surprised. 7,300. Yeah. yeah 73,000. I'd be very surprised. 7,300. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Nobody would play him. You can't, you, anybody but Sam Birds. You can take anybody but Sam Birds. contrarian player. <laughs> yeah. 7,300. Um, I think that's right. I think it's probably 7,300, 7,400. Uh, makes sense. I'll, I'll be honest, though. I'm not sure. Um, please, uh, I'd like to know your opinion on this. I think for most of the single entry um, GPPs that I'm going to be doing or three maxes, which is what I like to play more than most things. I don't know that I'm going to be playing much of him. I, I don't know, like, as much as he should be like 7,400, that, that doesn't make him a guy that's like, oh, well, he's he's kind of like more lockish to make the cut. And I think that's where the value is there. I totally get it. But if he's going to be really popular in that range, I'm not sure I'm going to play him because I think his miscut equity is, is still pretty high. Yeah, so that's the problem. If this was basketball, if this was football, you have a lot more consistent results. There's still a really good chance Sam Burns misses the cut, even if he is $1,000 mispriced. Now, with that being said, I think the really valuable part to Sam Burns is on a week where the pricing is already very soft, you could go ham and cheese with him in your lineup. I mean, you can mm -hmm. get whatever you want any way you want it. it, it would really be interesting. And it's not a true scrub punt like you would normally get down here. So that, that to me is the bigger value than just being like, Oh my God, Sam Burns should be a thousand dollars more expensive. He's going to go win this thing. Like, no, I, I, I think he's still a risk, but I think that he would open up 
a lot of really intriguing builds for you. And to me, that's the only reason I, I completely agree with what Sia said. It's like if you feel like you want to get uh, Xander Shoffley and Brooks on your team together, you yeah. you, that's how that's how you do it. Because honestly, the 6K range is not that impressive. It, although pricing is softer, the the real benefit to the softer pricing to me is in the 7K range. When you get to the 6K range, there's still a lot of the things we normally deal with in the 6K range where there, uh, there there's much more miscut risk. Um, so I and there's miscut risk from the very top of the board all the way to the bottom because it's an open championship and that's just the way that it is. But um, I, I, there doesn't seem to be a home run play down here. Um, but that being said, I think the closest thing to it, I think the safest play in this range is Charlie Hoffman. Um, <laughs> and, and he has played some pretty good golf in open championships. He has missed the cut three times, but not since 2015. Um, he has two top 20s in his last three starts here. So he's played some good golf, not great. But this year, I think, is just such a strong year for him. It's hard for me to um, look away. And I'm much more comfortable going with a Charlie Hoffman than I am with Sam Burns, even though the there's a $400 price difference. Um, I, I still think Charlie Hoffman opens up a lot of options in your pricing and i feel like he's a safe play so he's um a 30th at the travelers the u.s open didn't go great but he made the cut memorial was the same charles schwab challenge he came in third and that was the end of his really hot streak but i don't feel like that's i don't think that's gone i think he had a couple the memorial and u.s open didn't go great for him so what i I still think he has a real chance of making that happen um this week the uh, I've I've been burned by Sam Burns in two major championships this year. Might as well just make it three. We'll figure out how that one. Yeah, goes. I understand that. I can understand <laughs> that. Um, I'm partial to Lucas Herbert, who has played well here on the European or excuse me, on the PGA Tour for his last two. Just won the European Tour. Just finished fourth in Scotland last week. See, you, Ryan Palmer is at the top of this range. I'm assuming that is a little bit inspiring uh, for you. But who else in this in this six thousand dollar range is? Is moving the needle. Yeah, I like Palmer because I don't think a lot of people will be on him. He also tied with Herbert, tied for fourth last week at the Scottish Open. His his experience, his British Open Open Championship experience is plentiful. So I think he's an interesting option, especially at low ownership, which I anticipate. Stuart Sink is interesting. He's got the open experience, of course. Uh, recent form is really good. This year, he's just been really good. He's good off the tee. The ball striking has been good. Uh, a couple other names. Richard Bland, I was on him a few weeks back, and I think, you know, he won the British Masters, which I believe was back in April or May. So he has, you know, he can he can close tournaments, not that he's going to win this one, but he has been pretty good lately. And then I'll just mention uh, Chris Kirk and Matt Jones. Chris Kirk is, I think, 6,400. He's super cheap. I think Matt Jones is, is a really good course fit here. Um, one other name I'm going to throw out there, because you mentioned Charlie Hoffman, Greg, and I totally agree with you. Great ball striker. If you if you ran models anytime in the last like six to eight weeks, Charlie Hoffman would be in your top five, almost no yeah. matter what. And almost right, no matter how, right. how you did your model. Another guy that fits that description and who may, I emphasize may, I italicize it, may have a better experience putting this week is Keegan Bradley. And, and I, oh. again, he's 6,800. I understand. I, I understand the sentiment and the reaction, but I just think, listen, I, I just told you that I, I kind of like Sergio Garcia, right? So I think there's yeah. guys that are really good ball strikers that you could potentially take a chance on. And Keegan at 6,800, I don't mind putting him in a GPP. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, Sia. It just doesn't sit very well with me. I get it. It doesn't feel – Charlie Hoffman to me feels like – you just came home after a long day and you have a nice meal and you get in bed and it's nice and comfy and warm and you know <laughs> that all is right in the world. Okay. That's where that Keegan Bradley does not that. feel that way. That, yeah. This week he's in the six K range. He's, I feel really good about Charlie Hoffman, Keegan Bradley. I don't feel very, I feel like that is risky behavior. Very risky. And it's like, um, it's like eating uh, gas station sushi is Keegan Bradley. That, yeah, that's a great, you know, the soy sauce is great and it can mask any flavor um, and the food dye as well, but you just don't know what you're really getting. So I'm so, I'm, I'm so upset with Keegan, man. He was laying the blueprint 
And I was like, yes, yeah. it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then, you know, his last two, he's been just horrible with the putter again. That is what he had been avoiding for a long time. So I don't know if that was just a couple of, you know, two two months worth of a, a, a blip or I don't know what's going on anymore. I've lost I've lost my Keegan compass. I have no idea. What's your, well, what's his open experience is really pretty bad too. So what that means is nobody's going to be on him. And so I'm going to win all the money because I'm playing Keegan Brad. I like it. I can see the, I can see the Avenue there. Uh, see ya, but it's, it's a small uh, Avenue. Yeah. Admittedly. I get another, uh, one other guy that I I'm interested in to a degree. Sure. Um, and he's an American. I thought he was going to have a breakout year this year. And it's been pretty good. Hasn't quite been breakout, but it's been pretty good. Taylor Gooch. I think uh, I wouldn't oh, be surprised if he put together a really nice week. Um, he's been on on nice form lately. He's played well in big events. Um, so I, I think he could be an interesting option as well. He's also the same price as Adam Hadwin. Um, but I'm, I'm pivoting off of Hadwin to, to Gooch for myself. You're the only guy who has to pivot off of Adam Hadwin. <laughs> it's usually not highly owned enough. Um, Gooch, very good ball striker, uh, almost always sub 10%, and he certainly will be this week as well. Gentlemen, absolute pleasure as always. Uh, we are not done by any stretch of the imagination this week. Tuesday is your mega preview pod. Wednesday, ooh, a little something special on Wednesday, looking like 6 p.m. Eastern time for a YouTube exclusive. So make sure you join us on YouTube First Cuts Pod, I believe, is the YouTube extension. You'll find it. Uh, but for now, let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there. That's Sia Najad, who you can find on Twitter at Sia Najad. And Greg Ducharme, who you can find at The Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.